episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected is brought to you by Bridgeside Medical Clinic, Chesapeake Integrated Behavioral Healthcare, and Edgar Casey's ARE. Hello, and welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Bedrick. An addiction can be best described as a compulsive activity that has such rewarding effects that someone will continue to engage in this behavior in spite of detrimental consequences. When people think of addiction, we commonly think of substances such as drugs or alcohol. However, addiction can also take place in many other forms, such as relationships, shopping, or gambling. Essentially, it's anything that really lights our brain up like the Las Vegas Strip, where we are just really excited and engaged in whatever activity this is, that it keeps us coming back for more. Our next guest spent 15 years consumed by a gambling addiction that resulted in a lot of negative consequences for him. He's here today to share with us about this experience and how he overcame it and to tell us about his recovery journey. So hi, Patrick. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's start by talking about your history with this. So give us a little bit of background information about your experience with gambling addiction. Sure. So I, I was like, you know, a lot of people where I, I would start gambling when I was in my early points with friends and it didn't, didn't see a problem with it. You know, it, it, it progressed over the next, like you said, 15 years. And before I knew it, I was in so deep that I couldn't see a way out of it, you know, and all the while along that journey, I was destroying relationships and friendships due to the choices and decisions I was making. At what point in this journey did you start to recognize this might be a problem? Probably around 2009, 2010, when, you know, I no longer was able to pay my, pay my mortgage. Our mortgage, we were way behind on it because I was taking all of that money and diverting all of the money that should have been going towards car payments and mortgage payments. You know, and what happens is, you know, we start getting phone calls and letters in the mail. And then I start lying to my wife and it just becomes this vicious cycle where I finally realized, you know, everything I do is a cover up. Everything I'm doing is, is, is trying to deflect and distract from what's really going on, which is my gambling addiction, which nobody knew about but me. So this was something that it sounds like was kept a secret from your wife for, was this for a majority of the 15 years or for what portion of the 15 years did she not know? She really didn't know at all. You know, I mean, she knew there were problems, especially towards the end before it all blew up, but she couldn't really pinpoint it. And we're really good at that. Addicts are great at, at, at misdirecting, lying, especially gambling addicts. We're really creative with, with, with how we spin things. And there's always a story at, you know, the closer you are to somebody as a spouse or a close friend, the more you want to believe in them, whether it doesn't make sense, it seems weird. You want to believe that person. You don't want to believe the worst. And so oftentimes the spouse is the last one to really catch on to. And would you say that there was a rock bottom for you? I would. I don't like to use the term rock bottom, but there definitely was a low point, you know, and the low point for me was, was sitting in jail, you know, after I had been sent off to treatment by my family when they finally discovered what was going on. I came back and then I had to go before a judge and, and answer to the charges that were against me and ultimately ended, ended up in jail. And that was definitely my low point. You know, when you're sitting there and you're completely removed from society, you have no communication with anybody. And so 
I was isolated, alone, and scared. Was it at that point that you decided to make a shift? What, at what point did you decide, I, I need to get into recovery, I need to do something about this? Well, right. That happened actually before, you know, I mean, I did go to treatment, inpatient treatment before jail and that, you know, I, I, it was, it was at that point where I actually learned what was wrong with me. I was making the decisions I was making, why I was doing the things I was doing. I was so, as an addict, when you're in that, when you're at that point, your brain is so foggy and so cloudy that it's hard to, it's hard to see the light. It's hard to see reality. And so in treatment, I learned the pro what, what was going on inside my brain with the limiting levels and that sort of thing and why I was doing what I was doing. But it really wasn't until I got to jail where I, I would have time to really just reflect and think and try and imagine a life after jail and how I was going to turn around. And so that was the point where, yeah, I really started to, to look deep and, and figure out what I was going to do, how it was going to, uh, proceed moving forward. Can you help us to understand what was going on with your mental health during this time? How was your mental health impacted and how was it manifesting? So that, and that's a huge, huge part of this, you know, that my mental health, I was so, as this addiction is a disease and as that, as it progresses, it not only affects the addict physically, but mentally. And so I wasn't able to focus on, I was a father and a husband. I was so distracted that I wasn't able to focus on my son and my wife and be the, the father and husband that I was supposed to be because I was consumed by this, this addiction in my brain. And so that's all I could think about. I couldn't sleep at night when I woke up in the morning, if I finally did fall asleep, I was so detached from reality, so detached from family and, and things like that, where it was almost like my wife was talking to a, a wall, you know, I, I was nothing, I, nothing resonated with me. So it's just hard to focus on, on, on life and what's really important when you're at that stage of addiction. And so I imagine symptoms of anxiety, symptoms of depression, that was all likely a very active part of your life at that time. For sure. Yeah. You know, towards the tail end before, you know, this was around 2014, before I ended up going off to treatment, I was at that point where, you know, it, I had many opportunities to own up to my addiction and just come clean, but I didn't. And so I was at a point where. I wasn't going to do that unless somebody discovered it or I killed myself. And I was starting to try to figure out ways to, to end my life and do it in a way where somehow my life insurance would pay out. It would look like an accident, you know? And so in a sick, twisted sort of way, I was even gambling with that way of thinking, you know, well, I could kill myself, but I sure hope that the insurance policy will pay out, <laughs> you know? And so, wow. yeah, that's where I was at towards the end, you know, and, 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 Fortunately for me, it didn't it didn't get to that point. That must have been just such an overwhelming, desperate feeling for you to really be processing through how to escape it. I, I can only imagine how overwhelming that was. What did you find to be most effective in your treatment process? What were some things you started to do that helped you to shift away from this? For me, it was, it was being around fellow addicts, being around people like me you know, that, that could understand me. And then for me, understanding them and realizing, Hey, you know what? I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one dealing with this. There are other forms of addiction. There are other people that make terrible choices while they're in the throes of addiction. And so knowing that, and then sticking with counseling, therapy, meetings, all of that early on, the first few years of my recovery is what kept me grounded and kept me focused on me 
And I, I reached a point about a year or two into it where I, I, I no longer worried about what perceptions were and, and what people may, may have thought of me. I, I, I was, I took up, I had a huge belief in recovery because I'd seen it, I'd seen other people do it. And so that's, that's what helped me. What would be a couple pieces of advice that you might offer to somebody who maybe is listening and, and they're wondering, oh my goodness, is, am I headed this direction? Or maybe I'm already there. What is some advice you might give to somebody to help them on the road towards recovery? The main thing is, is what, if you think it's a problem, it is a problem. You need to, you need to talk to somebody. That's the, that's the thing. That's the main thing. And I didn't do that, you know, I, and, and it got to progress to a point it never should have got to with me because I was afraid to talk to somebody. And so ultimately you, you'll be exposed one way or the other. You can't hide it. You, you can't hide it forever. And so if you think you're struggling or if you know you're struggling, talk to somebody, whether that's a friend or a coworker or somebody, or even somebody, you don't, you know, a therapist, you know, you need to talk through it. And once you can, once you do that, that's going to put you on a path to where you got, you can get better, you know, but if you, if you, if you, if you isolate, like I did and you pretend it's all going to go away someday and magically everything will be better, you know, you're living in a, you know, in a dream world and it's not, it's not reality. So just the main thing is to talk to somebody and then that, that can put you on the right path. Yeah, that's that's great advice. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Where can our viewers learn more about you? Where can people discover more about your journey? So I have a lot on uh, my Twitter page. It's at Patrick Chester Nine, and I'll be having a book. Will be coming out soon, probably in the winter. And so I'll have that there as well once that's once that's out. So I'm trying to share my experience in the hopes that it will help other people because I had people do that for me. And so that's the main thing with me. If if and I'm always willing to, to talk or answer questions, even if it's a complete stranger. Yeah, that's so helpful for so many people to know that they're not alone, know that somebody else understands what they're going through. That can really be the first step for a lot of people to head towards recovery. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate it. And thank you all for tuning into this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected. Please make sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram, and also make sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast so that others can find our content as well. Thank you again for joining us. Mm -hmm.